0: we've been continuing, we are continuing today a great series we're doing on how to live a meaningful life. And today I want to talk about shift your focus. So how to live a meaningful life, shift your focus. If you've missed any of the series at all, you can go to our website, scroll down on the homepage and it says Sunday Messages or you can pick them up on the bottom of our Life You See app where it says Messages. So don't miss out, it's a great series. But let me ask you this question. What dominates, honestly, what dominates a lot of your focus? Thinking about yourself, how things are in you and in you, in your world, what you do or you don't have or what, you know, instead of what about what God wants and what would make a difference in others' lives. And let's face it, it is just so easy to think about I, me and myself all the time. It's just so easy. And when we give our life to God and we ask Him to come into our hearts, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But does the Holy Spirit have us? Does the Holy Spirit really have us? We've got Him, but how much does He have of us? How much of our lives do we really give to Him? Oh, we've got great intentions, yeah. But when the rubber hits the road, do we really mean what we say or is it just good intentions? You see, unfortunately, some Christians look to God for just a personal fulfilment. They have given their life to Him and they uh, they are definitely saved from a lost eternity but they're still very self-centred. They may go to all sorts of conferences, and but you hardly ever find them, say, at a missions conference because they're just not that interested. And they want to use God for their purposes to make their life comfortable instead of being used for His purposes. In contrast... There's other Christians who know that they were saved to serve God and that they've been made for a mission. They're eager to receive a personal assignment from God and they're excited about the privilege of being used by God. Their joy, their confidence, their enthusiasm is contagious because they know they are making a difference. Psalm 67 verse 2 says, send us around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all of mankind. Jesus said to his followers in Mark 16 verse 15, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 said, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Long ages ago, He planned we should spend these lives in helping others. Don't count your years, instead make your years count. If you wanna live a meaningful life, you need to shift your focus, get the I, me and myself out of the way. So the first thing is, shift our focus from our circumstances to drawing people to God. In Max Lucado's book, It's Not About Me, a book that had a big impact on my life. He talks about amazingly, you are not the center of the universe. That may come as a shock to some of you today, but you are not the center of the universe. You may be the center of your universe, but not really the center of the universe. And if the moon were the center of the universe, we'd have some problems because the moon doesn't generate any light. Apart from the sun, the moon is nothing more than a pitch black, pockmarked marked rock. But properly positioned, the moon beams. Let it do what it was made to do, and a pile of dirt becomes a source of inspiration, yet even perhaps romance, because the moon reflects the greater light that comes from the sun. And instead of the, you being the centre of the universe, imagine if you properly positioned yourself and He accepted accepted your place as reflectors of His Son, Jesus. And you took the focus off yourself and started drawing people and drawing others to God. What if in all the mess you are going through, and I am not making light of the mess that people are going through in life, somehow it actually allowed others to see that God is real and He is at work in your life, even though you might be still in the middle of everything. A couple are on the mission field serving God faithfully. The husband is killed in crossfire between the terrorists that took them hostage and the rangers. The wife also takes bullets, but she lives. Three children are left without a father. Is this how God honours His chosen ones? Are you thinking of them? How, How do you explain the circumstances? The tensions at home, the demands at work, the bills on your desk, the person who betrayed you or hurt you, the loss of a child or a loved one, or even the tumour in your body. You aren't taken hostage, but aren't you occasionally taken back by God's silence? He knows what you're facing, but how can you explain this? Maybe God messed up. Cancer cells crept into your DNA when he wasn't looking. He was so occupied with the floods in Queensland that he forgot about the famine and the atrocities in Africa. He tried to... Tried to you tried to change the stubborn streak in your partner, but he didn't help. He didn't, he didn't get them to budge or move. And I'm not making light of those things at all, believe you me. What have we got? A bumbling creator, an absent-minded maker? Can't the maker of heaven and earth handle bad traffic, even bad marriages or miscarriages of babies? Of course he can. So why doesn't? Why doesn't he? Have we so exhausted the mercy of God's back that every prayer bounces back like no credit? Psalm 103 verses eight to 11 says, God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor holds grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is His love for those who fear Him. Your pain has a purpose. Your problems, your struggles, your heartaches, your hassles, all cooperate towards one end, the glory of God. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Trust me in your times of troubles and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. That's not an easy assignment to swallow by a long shot, is it? Not for you and not for me. In the Bible, we read of the man blind from birth, Jesus' disciples were trying to work out why he was blind. Who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin? John 9, verse 3 says, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. Well, how come everyone else gets to do the grand things and this guy gets a job of being blind? We could think of the same thing about Lazarus in the book of John when he was very sick. His sister sent a message to Jesus to come because they knew that Jesus could heal him, but he didn't come straight away. He didn't do what they wanted. John 11 verse four says, but when Jesus heard about about it, he said, the purpose of this illness is not death, but for the glory of God. I, the son of God will receive glory from this situation. So Lazarus ends up dying. It was great, wasn't it? And they're upset with Jesus naturally, wouldn't you be? But Jesus was true to what he said. He raised him from the dead. What brought more glory to God? Healing him while he was still alive or raising him from the dead? I don't know which one I know. Is there any chance, any possibility at all, that you have been selected to struggle for God's glory? Are you one of those people in Philippians 1 verse 29 that says, there's far more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And the suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. That's a verse to ponder over. Have you ever thought it brings greater glory to God that people knowing your situation and circumstances see you passionately on fire for him and fulfilling His purposes, even though you're struggling. When they're giving you your chemo, some people would be absolutely in fear that you have an incredible peace. You have a presence about you. We can so easily get used to the presence of God, but people who don't know, people who are not familiar with the presence of God, they can sense something about us. How are they ever gonna know if someone doesn't go into the world and the situation they're struggling with. Your face in the face of suffering turns up the volume of God's message. And there's so many stories of people I could tell you who in the middle of their chemo treatments, endless IVF treatments, daily radiation treatments, trips back and forth to the hospital or doctor surgeries, you name it, have inspired others and have been a testimony of how God makes the difference in their lives. I am in no way saying, well, just sit back and endure it. Why bother believing for a miracle or breakthrough? No, you go for it. You keep on, you keep believing God for your miracle. But in the process, allow your life to draw others to God and to focus on Him. Let your life reflect Jesus. You are positioned to reflect the sun, do it, do it, and keep believing and keep drawing others to Jesus. Let's look at it another way in drawing people's attention to Jesus. Have you got a favorite photo or certificate or something that you treasure that you wanna frame? You've got the frame, you've got the wire and you've got the hooks. Well, the hooks carry the load. But the wire can't do its own thing because it's got to balance the frame and it's reliant on the hooks to keep it there. It's like the meat in the sandwich. And then you've got the frame that protects its contents and, is, and it's there to enhance and, in, and, and make you know, set off what's inside. And if the right frame is there, people should be ooing and ahhing over the picture, not the frame or the certificate. What's in there, not the frame, Different instruments, same job, to display treasures. And we've all got different gifts and talents in our life that God has put there. But we should all have one focus, to draw people's attention to God, that they ooh and ah over the treasure that you've got in your life. Because He can transform lives like no one else can. And He wants to because He loves you so much. What is in your life that consumes so much of your thinking? Is it to do with how it affects you? Or is it focused on how it can positively affect others? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 33 says, "I don't think about what people I, sorry, I don't think about what would be good for me, but about what would be good for many people so that they may be saved. You were put on earth to make a contribution with your life. God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. He wants to work through you. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. How, not how long you've lived, but how you lived. Don't count your years. Instead, make your years count. So the first thing this morning is shift our focus from our circumstances to drawing people and others. To God. Second thing is shift our focus from here and now thinking to eternal thinking. To make the most of your time on earth, you must maintain an eternal perspective, the big picture. It keeps you from majoring on the minor issues and helps you distinguish between what's urgent and what's really important, the ultimate. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So much of what we waste our energy on will not even matter a year from now, little less for eternity. We have generations coming up underneath us that we haven't even met yet. And we may never meet. But what we do individually and corporately may be spoken of for ages to come, inspiring many to work together to really make God's glory be known throughout the world. People are watching us, how we live and what message our life brings. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. You see, it's not about you, big shock. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what God wants to do through you and me to bring about eternal results for this generation and the generations to come. We have to make sure our focus is on what God wants. Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 62, 62, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I planned for him is not fit For the Kingdom of God. While it is good to make wise financial investments for ourselves, don't forget to make some eternal investments. We can sink our finance into God-given ideas, programs and people who are really seeing people turn their hearts to Jesus. When we are doing good to those who don't know Jesus, our life is bringing a message to people. We are investing our time, our energy, and our finances into seeing eternal results. 2 Timothy 6 verse 18 to 19 says, Tell them to use their money for good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those who would need. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is only the only safe investment for eternity and they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So firstly, let's shift our focus from our circumstances to drawing people to God. Secondly, let's shift our focus from our here and now thinking to eternal thinking. And the last point is shift our focus from local thinking to global thinking. With the means of transport we have these days and the excellent communication vehicles, the opportunities to go beyond the four walls are so much easier for overseas and for here. Just about every corner of the world is available for us to get to. It has been said our mission field starts right in our backyard with our neighbours. But the reality is, though, with all the various commitments that we have, family, work, church, socialising, groups, exercising. We're flat out getting into our own backyard, little less to travel to someone else's backyard. God is aware of all the minutes in our lives. However, we have to seriously work out how we're going to change things so we fulfil His mission, not our mission. So we think globally, not just locally. It's great to think locally, which is what we're doing, but not exclusively. We have a big God and we need to expand our lives and what we do for Him. You may say, well, I don't want to go overseas. I'm just happy to doing what I'm doing here. Well, let's have a think about the pillow. Who loved being resting, sleeping on their pillow this morning under the warm blankets? was lovely, wasn't it? A pillow is used to rest your head on. Squashed in half can be used to support your lower back. It can be used to put your legs up on when your feet are aching. And if you put another pillow next to it, it becomes a decoration. So many things you can use the pillow for. But imagine if the pillow said, well, I I only want to be used for the head. That's all. You'd say, well, I've got so much more for you. And I'm only going to be able to use about 25% of your potential that I've put in you. If you're going to limit yourself to just resting the head only, unlike the pillow, you have so much more potential in you. And do you really wanna limit God and limit the potential that he has put in your life? One good way to start thinking globally is to start praying for countries. Get out an atlas or a map and pray for nations by name. Ask the Holy Spirit, is there any specific country he would have you focus on. Psalm 2 verse 8 says, If you ask me, I will give you the nations. All the people on the earth will be yours. People may refuse our love or reject our message, but they are defenceless against our prayers. You can aim a prayer at a person's heart, whether you are 10 feet or 10,000 miles away. Well, kilometres, I guess, for us. Prayers can make partners with others in the world, around the world. We need to constantly pray for our field workers, as many as we know, involved in a global investment for God. The Apostle Paul told his prayer partners in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 11, You are also joining to help us, so you are also joining to help us when you pray for us. And another way to think globally is to invest finance into overseas projects, perhaps due to commitments or health. You aren't able to go overseas, but you can, you're able to help finance someone else to do that. Ask God, is there any specific project or country where you can invest your finances for eternal purposes? Another way is to watch the world news, not just Sydney on Channel 7 and Channel 9, but watch the world news. Try to be what's up on what's happening in the world. Another good way is to go on a short-term missions trip. There's about five of us who are, some have already left and Sean and I are going tomorrow morning, we're going to Thailand to our Pan Asia conference to meet up with all our field workers from all over the world. We all come together, it's fantastic and we're looking and planning to do perhaps next year much more back into short-term mission trips. There's no substitute for hands-on real-life experience in another culture. It is so inspiring. We may feel there's many limitations to stop us from going on this sort of trip. But you know, when there's a will, there's a way. In Acts 1 verse eight, Jesus gave us a pattern for involvement. He says, you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria and everywhere in the world. Jerusalem was their community. Judea was their country. Samaria was another culture and everywhere in the world was the other nations. We've got to stop thinking about reasons why we can't go and open ourselves up to start thinking of creative ways to fulfil our commission. I could spend ages telling you of the incredible ways God has helped people to step out in faith and they had a desire to go on a short-term missions trip. The biggest battle could be you limiting yourself and all of heaven trying to get you there. Wherever there's a will, there's a way, so let's shift our focus to global, to globally, and watch what happens. First, Thetalo- First Thessalonians one verse eight says, "The word has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the Master's word, not only in provinces but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. What?" is your life communicating. God wants to say something to the world through you. If we wanna live a meaningful life, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us the areas of our life where we need to shift our focus, not just good intentions, but making our lives positively inspire others and a message to those who don't know Him. If the worship team would like to come, please. We need to shift our focus From our circumstances to drawing people to God. Shift our focus from the here and now thinking to eternal thinking. And shift our thinking from local thinking to global thinking. But you know, none of this can happen if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You'll never have the passion, the strength, the love, the endurance or grace to be able to shift your focus permanently unless you can draw from a source that is bigger than yourself. And that source is God. God's focus was so on you that long before you were ever born, He knew you would make mistakes and make a mess of things, perhaps even do some criminal things. But God is way bigger than any mess you can get yourself into. And His grace, His forgiveness, His love that He freely extends to you came at a costly price giving us His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins and my sins and everyone else's sins. When Jesus died on the cross, He did it once and for all, past, present and future. So when you ask God to forgive you, He genuinely does. He wants to build a relationship with you and help you to become all that He created you to be and release that potential that's in you. He will never leave you. He will never, ever leave you. And the good news is that Jesus didn't stay dead. On the third day, God raised Him from the dead so we can have a relationship with a living, victorious and a life-giving Saviour. Doesn't that sound better than how you're living now?